for our introduction, we have Rob Shear uh, preaching to us today. I'm going to pray for him. And yeah, you let's give him a give him a hand. <laughs> Rob's a Pepperdine professor, um, a consistent attendee of the church. He leads Surf Convo, and he's an Army Ranger, and we love him a lot. Was isn't it once a Ranger always? No, he was a, he's a <laughs> he's an Army Ranger emeritus. So uh, please join me uh, in prayer this morning as we lift up Rob before he speaks. Uh, Jesus, we love you this morning, and we thank you for this time that we get to worship you. Pray that during this time you'd soften our hearts and that your spirit would be present here uh, to help us know you better and to align our lives to your purpose and your will. Jesus, please be with Rob as he speaks. Give him strength and courage and wisdom, and I pray that every word he speaks would just be um, blessed by the spirit to go out and change our hearts and encourage us this morning. Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. So can you, can you hear me in the back? Is the mic working in the back? So, is it working too well? I can hear it now. Yes, for those, for those of you, oh, well, thanks, Joel, for the introduction. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I'm the guy they roll out when we're going to have about 25, 30 people here. <laughs> so I... Uh, I found that if I lower expectations early, then the chance that you'll be pleasantly surprised increases a bit. Um, so tomorrow, tomorrow night is New Year's Eve. And so all around the world, there will be thousands, possibly even millions of people that will make New Year's resolutions. And of course, a resolution is just the firm decision to either do or not do something. And so what I thought I'd do today is is talk about resolutions. And so just out of curiosity, just to kind of uh, start us off, by show of hands, who, is either, who has either made resolutions for 2019 or plans to make resolutions for 2019? Okay, so maybe probably about a third. Um, that's about kind of matches up with the, the country. So uh, I did a little bit of digging, and it turns out that historians can trace uh, resolutions or New Year's resolutions about 4,000 years back. Uh, the early Babylonians had an annual 12-day religious festival that they called Akatu. And at Akatu, what they did is every year they would either crown a new king or all the people would recommit their allegiance to the, the current and existing king. But the people did one other thing. They also made promises to their gods to pay all the debts that they owed that year, and also to give back anything that they had borrowed. And so these promises can be considered the, the forerunners for the resolutions that we make today. And the Babylonians believed that if they kept their word, that their gods would reward them for their honesty. And if they didn't, then of course the gods would withdraw their favor, and that was not something the early Babylonians wanted. Now, for early Christians, the first day of the new year became the traditional occasion for thinking about one's past mistakes and resolving to do better in the future. In fact, in 1740, the English clergyman John Wesley, who later founded the Methodist Church, created something called the Covenant Renewal Service. Uh, and this was a service commonly held on New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day. 
Uh, it was also known as the watch night services. And these services included scripture, hymns, uh, hymn singing, resolution, uh, resolution making. And it also served as a spiritual alternative to the raucous celebrations normally held to celebrate the coming of the new year. So what about today? Where are we today when it comes to resolutions? Uh, what do we resolve as Americans to do better? Well, according to ABC News, the top five resolutions for 2019 are as follows. Any guesses for number one? For Americans, what do you think is the number one? What's that? Lose weight. Lose weight. Yes, 38% of Americans pick number one to exercise more and or lose weight. If you narrow it down to just the state of California, that percentage jumps from 38 up to 46%, which isn't terribly surprising. Uh, second, not far behind, at 37% was to make more money. Third, at 12% was to get a new job or a hobby. Fourth, at 11% was to make new friends. And finally, fifth, at a disappointing 7%, is to find love in their life. So how well do we do? How well as Americans do we do at keeping our resolutions? Well, a recent study in the Journal of Clinical Psychology found that only 46% of people that make New Year's resolutions find at the end of that year that they were successful. But the study also looked at what they called non-resolvers. And so these are people who didn't make a resolution for New Year's, but went into the new year with a goal in mind, right? There was something they wanted to do. They just didn't formalize the process. And the study found that only 4% of the people, 4% of these non-resolvers were successful at achieving their goals. So in other words, it appears that actually going through the steps and making a resolution makes it more likely that you'll achieve your goal. But again, even for those who make resolutions, chances are better than not that we're going to fail. So why do we fail? Well, the same study looked into and discovered the top four reasons why people fail, with their, fail to keep their resolutions. Number one, at 35%, they said they set unrealistic goals. Second, at 33%, that they, people said they failed to track their progress. Remember, I'm a statistics professor, so I get all kinds of excited about all these percentages. Third, at 20, 23%, my personal favorite, they forgot that they had made a uh, resolution. <laughs> that would probably be my category. And fourth, at 10%, that they made too many resolutions. So what can we do, what can we do about it? Right? How can we get better at keeping our resolutions? Well, sadly, I have no great wisdom. But... I did find a four-year-old girl who is incredibly wise and just absolutely adorable. So if I could get that video up, I gave them no, head, no heads up on that either. There she is.
I have a problem with New Year's resolutions, not because they often fail or because they're too difficult, and not because I'm bad at them either. I mean, I've only been alive for four New Years. No, I have a problem with resolutions because people think that that's it. It's for one time to change. Now, don't get me wrong, we definitely all need change. I have no idea how to ride a bicycle and my little brother has no idea what a toilet is for. And some of you, yeah, you probably should get out of the house more, but one big decision probably isn't going to do it. Sorry. So now what? Flush your resolutions down the toilet for one my little brother can't use? Of course not. Keep your resolutions but go easy on yourself. Will you change? Maybe, but probably won't happen in one big moment. It'll happen in thousands of little moments. Every time you choose to forgive or slow down or be grateful or stay calm each little moment that you choose what's right instead of what's easy. Faith instead of doubt. Love instead of hate. That's where the change happens. Even if you fail one or two or thirty times, it's okay. You've got thousands of more little moments ahead of you. You'll get better. So happy new year, God bless, and I'm off to ask my dad to get a bike, if they're all a pony. Bye. Alright now my my uh, my my family told me when I showed this to them a few days ago, my family told me to stop and sit down and end the sermon. Uh, they said this would be the highlight and, and things are just gonna get worse afterwards. Um, and sadly they're they're probably correct. But bear with me just a few more minutes as I try to add some insights uh, into the wisdom that this young lady shared. Because the question that I really want to get at today is, is there a place for resolutions in our faith? And I think that there is. Now listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy. So this is the first Timothy. Here we go. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. You see, we are called to live holy lives, or what Paul refers to here as godliness. And why? Well, it's not to earn our salvation. It's not to deserve, to deserve forgiveness of sins. You see, all of that comes from faith. Rather, as Peter told us, we are to be holy in our conduct because our God is holy. We are to seek godliness in response to what God has done for us. See, not in an effort to trigger a response from Him. And when we do, we truly are the lights of the world. And the world is then able to see our good deeds, and they glorify our God. And one way I believe that we can train ourselves for godliness is through resolutions. 
Again, a resolution is nothing more than a firm decision about something that we're going to do or something that we're not going to do. And we can select resolutions that will help us to grow more and more like Christ. But as we know from the psychologists, we're just not that good at sticking with our resolutions. And I imagine that the, the reasons that we fail to get up and exercise in the morning are similar to the reasons that we fail every day to get up and spend some time in God's Word. So what do we do? Well, originally today, it had been my intent to give a very deep theological talk on spiritual disciplines, about fasting and silence, study, fellowship, and others. And if you're interested in these disciplines, and they make, they make excellent resolutions, I can't recommend Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Even brought my copy as a prop. Um, I can't rep, uh, recommend this enough. But you know, as I, as I listened to the four-year-old, I realized that maybe my time would be better spent digging a bit deeper into what she said. And so Willard will just have to wait for another day. So the little girl made three statements about keeping resolutions that I want to discuss. So first, she said, one big decision probably isn't going to do it. It will happen in thousands of little moments. Now, most of us, just, most of us don't change easily, even when we want to. You see, we, we just don't work that way. We need to develop habits or actions that are so ingrained in us that they become natural because of continued repetition. And habits slowly change us, but they require hard work and effort. And Paul made the same connection with godliness. In Galatians, he wrote, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And here's the key part of the passage. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due, season we, in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So go into the new year knowing that it will not be easy to keep your resolutions. It will not be easy to form habits. It will take work. But it will yield fruit. And it will yield godliness. Second thing she said was go easy on yourself. This may be the best advice she gave. You know, we all need to realize that we aren't going to achieve perfect holiness in this lifetime. We're called to pursue godliness, but we're not going to obtain it. And Paul, the man who spread the gospel across the known Roman world, recognized this. And in Romans he wrote, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of the Lord in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Now notice that Paul didn't view his failure 
as a reason to quit pursuing God. He didn't say to himself, well, God calls me to holiness. I've fallen short, so I'm out. Instead, Paul used his weakness as a recurring reminder that his salvation was in Christ. See, whereas we too often can find discouragement that then leads us to fall away from God, feeling unworthy, Paul instead rejoiced. He went easy on himself, and so should we. Third and finally, the little girl said at the end, the change happens every moment we choose to forgive or to be grateful. Every time we choose what's right over what's easy. Every time we choose faith instead of doubt. And every time we choose love over hate. And I love how the little girl finishes up the video describing the process by which we keep our resolutions. See, we become more godly. We achieve more holiness with each correct decision that we make. And both Old and New Testament authors describe this process as the path, as God's path that we walk down in life as we follow him. The psalmist said, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there's fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And in Proverbs we are told, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And finally in the New Testament Christ said, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. See, if we pursue, if we view our pursuit of godliness as a path to travel, as, as an ongoing part of our life, then we won't expect it to quickly end. We won't be surprised when every now and then we find that we take a step or two backwards. We won't grow discouraged when we find that the path is difficult. We'll continue forward in the pursuit that becomes a habit, a habit that brings us closer to God. And so I wish you all a happy new year. But even more, I wish you a 2019 that finds you pursuing godliness in your life. All right, let me pray for us. Dear Father, we thank you for this, this beautiful day, this chance, this last chance in 2018 to come together in fellowship and to worship and to praise you. Lord, we thank you for 2018, for, for all the hard parts of it, but also just for the parts that were just so joyful. And we just ask that you walk with us in the coming year. Amen.
This, this blessing as we go into the new year. May the grace of Christ, which daily renews us, and the love of God, which enables us to love all, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which unites us in one body, make us eager to obey the will of God until we meet again through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go in peace.